Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. Is this the downside of Think Locally, Act Locally? We'll talk about it on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audio book. I'm sorry, the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. But also, you can go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the support tab. You can go to Spotify for podcasters. You can subscribe there, or you can go to learntruehistory.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Whistleberry Classroom. Lots of great ways to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. Share it around on social media. Send me those show requests. All those things will help get more eyes and ears on the show. And This is also a listener-generated episode. So we had one yesterday on wokeism and... Uh, was wokeism Marxism. And I think that was a really interesting piece. But I began this week saying, you know, we need, we need to clean out the neoconservatives. And the problem with the neoconservatives, and just thinking about wokeism, they've been pretty critical of the 1619 Project without realizing that they're actually the reason that the 1619 Project exists. You see, by, by arguing for the proposition nation, by becoming Lincolnians, They've perpetuated the lie that the 1619 Project is built on, that wokeism essentially is built on, that we have this egalitarian belief system, all men are created equal. That's where it comes from, that we have this egalitarian system in America that is based on an understanding of history, a a distorted understanding of history that not even the founding generation really believed that much in. And therefore, everything in America has never lived up to that. We've had it. We've never really done much with that. And of course, there's been the systemic position in place where it's oppressed everybody that hasn't been of a certain political, economic, racial, religious, whatever background, right? So these, the neocons and the West Coast Stroudsians and all these people are creating this problem. So then you have the issue of federalism. And I talk a lot about it on the show, and this is one of the arguments against it. Okay. So we have federalism, and if we don't have some type of top-down structure, all people, if they move into a place, and we don't have certain protections and certain things in place, they'll just change that place for whatever they want it to be, and then, of course, that becomes a problem. So example of that would be, say, Richmond, Virginia. You had this beautiful uh, Monument Avenue in Richmond, which was one of the best in the world for public art. And it's all been eliminated because the people of Richmond, the, the residents of Richmond now, voted essentially to take it down. The mayor 
put these things at a sewage treatment plant, and they took it down. And so the argument, well, that's democracy at work. That's de- I mean, this is how this works. So if you have federalism and you don't have some type of centralized control and, of course, protection for things like that, for a, for a culture or a people or whatever it is, you're going to have these kind of things happen as people move into it. And this is a growing movement in America. It's not just people on the right that are thinking locally and acting locally. It's also people on the left. And so they're moving into areas and they're changing them. And you're seeing it. The, the culture of an area is being changed, say, in low country South Carolina, where you don't really have many native low country South Carolinians anymore. You've got a lot of people moving in there from New York and other places. And they're changing it. Parts of Florida experience this. Now you're seeing it in parts of Alabama. You're seeing it in both North Alabama and South Alabama. It's being changed because of people moving in from out of state. Northern Virginia isn't even Virginia anymore. You see this as... As these people from other areas like these regions, they move into them and they substantially change them. Even though the reason they moved there to begin with was because of the very thing they disdain. They like the idea of low taxes, nice weather, low crime. And then oftentimes they bring that stuff with them. Or they, they want to have a situation where, well, we like you know the, the freedoms and liberties we have here. But when they start voting, they vote for stuff that's against those things. And so this is what I find fascinating about that. And there's actually a piece that the Federalist somebody sent me saying, look, will you comment on this piece? And the title is Leftist Invaders Are Colonizing Red America at Breakneck Speed. Leftist Invaders Are Colonizing Red America at Breakneck Speed. So you have all these people from blue states moving into red states, not just conservatives, but also liberals who like that stuff. And I mean, one of the nice examples of that in the state of Alabama is Fairhope. Now, Fairhope is an interesting uh, city. Fairhope was actually established by the acolytes of a man named Henry George. And Henry George believed in the single tax theory that you have a, it's a communist, a commune essentially. George was from California, but Fairhope, Alabama was, was established to be this shining example of what the single tax and this com- communal living could do. Now, it doesn't really do anything with that anymore. They don't, they don't have that idea there. But it's kind of an art community. It's always been a little leftist enclave in the state of Alabama. And you have some other of these places in the state too. North Alabama, Huntsville, for example. And the reason Huntsville is different is because of all the people that have moved into Huntsville from around the United States because of NASA's influence in Huntsville, right? And Warner Von Braun and the the Nazi rocket scientist who was sent to Alabama to build up the American space program. And uh, you had a lot of people move there from, from other parts of the United States. And so that part of Alabama, North Alabama, is much more leftist than other parts of the state. Though, I mean, conservatives still dominate the region. You have a little enclave there in, in that part of it. And then you have other enclaves throughout the state as well, whether it's your cities. Uh, the Black Belt region tends to uh, vote a little more left because of uh, racial politics than anything else. And then, of course, you have you know, maybe this area in South Alabama. So you have this around the United States, and Georgia's got this. Every state has their little enclaves. The point of this piece, though, is that these people are moving in, and they're dramatically changing these states as they get there. And so this could be the downfall of Think Locally, Act Locally. I mean, this is the case... Well, then you need something to work against this. 
Uh, and I mean, I'm going to talk about tomorrow how some states are trying to do that because there's always a way if this, this kind of thing happens. There's always a way to tame it. So this is by Stella Morabito. And it begins, War on normal Americans seems to have found its final frontier in the conservative small towns and rural communities often called red strongholds on the political map. Infiltration of red America by woke activists and their agendas is nearing or has passed the inflection point. So what's happening is you have these little, these little red, red strongholds and lefties are moving in. And in some cases, I mean, you look at what was happening with George Soros, and he started figuring out that the real way to change America was through the education system. This is wokeism in action. And so he pumped money into school board races. And therefore, you know, that, that started changing the dynamics of, of American education. But also here, and you have lefties moving into these areas and then trying to change them politically. So Stella says, thus migrants who flee from blue to red communities tend to be of two types, refugees or invaders. Refugees tend to assimilate. They respect the traditions of the newfound localities. Invaders, on the other hand, seem intent on turning red communities into replicas of the high-tax, crime-ridden places they left. Blue states have been hemorrhaging so many residents that they've lost congressional seats. They have been reapportioned to increasingly populous red states. More specifically, 2020 census data shows a vast migration out of counties that voted for Joe Biden and into counties that voted to re-elect President Donald Trump. Migrations began well before COVID, but accelerated during the lockdowns. In those earlier days, many folks, including yours truly, sought refuge from meddlesome bureaucrats by relocating to states with deeper red tones. Yet all the large cities and suburbs in red states tend to lean left with just as intrusive policies and election results to match. That's why refugees like me tend to gravitate to rural areas and small towns that allow folks to live and let live. So, uh, uh, Stella Morabito here during COVID moved to a state that was red. And so she got out in the country to try to avoid some of the things. And look, you can understand this. You can understand what's going on here. And people saying, I want to get out of these places that are awful Go to some place. It's nice. It's one of the benefits of thinking local and act locally. I talk about it all the time. Vote with your feet. Get to places that are more like you. But not so fast, Morbido says. Many who have left who leave blue areas continue voting for the failed policies of Democrats when they move into conservative communities. Flyover County now seems to be a special project for left-wing power elites who would like to spread their agendas and homogenize every small corner of the nation. Again, this can happen. So get out of the cities and start making these other places like you too. Well, how do you block that? So this is where some states, so South Carolina came up with the Yankee tax, right? If you move in from, from a blue state, you have to pay a tax. Nothing illegal about it at all. Uh, states can do whatever they want in this area, but that's the, that's the idea. You create some kind of tax. Now, I think the tax is too low, and you should have some exceptions. If you have to move there because of a job, that a company sends you somewhere and you got to move, that's one thing. But if you're just moving to move because, well, you want to live in the low country of South Carolina and it's pretty and it's not New York, um, well, maybe you should pay a tax to do that to the state of South Carolina. Hawaii is adopting this, right? A tourist tax. Hawaii is Hawaii is an interesting state. It's much more uh, provincial than other areas. They really want to try to maintain this 
beauty and, and the things that they have there. And they're, of course, it's a leftist state. They're more than willing to say, we don't want you here. Uh, and I think that's part of some of the, some of the uh, long-standing culture of Hawaii, the, the people, the native peoples there that have always been opposed to outsiders moving in and changing it, which is what's happened. And so there's this kind of uh, anti-invader uh, policy and, or at least perspective in Hawaii, but not all states have that. And in fact, most states embrace outsiders moving in, not recognizing, they're looking at it purely from an economic standpoint, not recognizing the cultural impact and also political impact of that. And that's what Morbido's piece is all about. Red states start going purple. One county council, one school board take over at a time. This again is think locally, act locally. You've got to get involved. A lot of these people that move into these areas will get involved in those politics in those areas and they will change it because the people that live there, that have always lived there, are generally apathetic. Now, on the other hand, you have a place like New Hampshire, and the local people were really upset with all the libertarians moving into New Hampshire. This is the Free State Project, because they did. They changed the state to what they wanted, and the local people got upset about that. So, I mean, this can work both ways. Should there be a way to stop this stuff is the question, and I'll talk about that tomorrow if you want to try to work with that. That's due in part to the lure of federal funds, which are actually bribes that come with woke chains attached. At the same time, rural boards of supervisors increasingly vote for off-the-wall resolutions, such as urging ratification of long-expired Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, yeah, this kind of stuff happens. Um, and, of course, you know, federal funds, school boards, these kind of things. Yes, there is some of that. And so uh, that would be an independence thing, right? You, you don't want to take the cash. The states are just as dependent on the cash or more dependent on the cash than a lot of individuals. Until the 2016 election of Trump, the leftist targeting of rural America happened mostly in fits and starts. It tended to be a losing battle against people wedded to their traditions. But the left saw the 2016 election as an urgent wake-up call to take over rural America one way or another. The invasions began in a passive-aggressive manner. Well-heeled leftists have increasingly re relocated or bought second homes in rural areas, particularly in places with beautiful pastoral and mountain views. Okay, so far. And no one objects to the little nice cafes and wine shops they seem to have transferred from their more urban settings. At the same time, the transplants enjoy planting rainbow flags on Main Street, USA. They've been dubbed lefugees because they can't shake their politics even though they've fled from the consequences of them. They tend to welcome greater federal control and influence wherever they go, such as Senator Elizabeth Warren's investment in rural America, which means playing the, applying the countryside with fast internet service. That might sound, not sound like a welcome convenience, but given the recent history of big tech censorship and ideological bias, we might be skeptical of intentions. Right. So, I mean, this happens. And you get people... You know, gentrification, they call it, but you get people gentrifying these areas or finding a small town, right? A small town that's dead and people with money go in and buy it up and they go and they live out there because it's nice. Uh, again, this is something that's going to happen, which is why you've got to really be invested in your local community to try to keep these, to try to keep this from happening, right? And there are, again, there are ways to do it. States can take effort to make take measures to keep these things from happening on a large scale at the state level. Long-time rural residents, voter apathy complicates this picture even further. This is the important point. 
Voter apathy. Think locally, act locally. Get involved. They've been largely clueless about how easily their school board and county supervisor seats can be picked off due to low voter turnout in local elections. Even old-timers who hold these seats can turn into squishes easily worked over by pressures from invading newcomers to vote their way. In some towns, you may only need a couple hundred votes to be elected mayor, sometimes far less. Many mayor elections go uncontested, so a little bit of Alinskyite uh, 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 community organizing is all it may take to run the show in rural America. Right. I mean, you've got to have people. You can't just say, well, we've done this. People come in, a lot of these people from blue states, and they are aggressive. And they're aggressive in changing it to what they want rather than just living and let living. They want it to be something else. They move there, and they want to change it to where they're from without some of the baggage, at least in their mind, from where they're from. Every person has a hardwired need to be socially connected. We also have a primal fear of ostracism. Americans in small communities were traditionally more individualistic in part because of the strong connections they had with their families, faith, traditions, and communities. People are less susceptible to being emotionally manipulated when they have strong bonds to fall back on. But as Charles Murray pointed out in his 2012 book, Coming Apart, when those bonds and traditions erode, a vacuum develops that's filled with addictions and dependency. Rural Americans then are susceptible to political correctness as anyone else. I call this process the weaponization of loneliness. It's an interesting point, right? So, um, and I think that that uh, Murray is right. You know, this is the addictions and dependency, right? You get um, you get those traditional bonds, smaller families, less community, and then you're looking for something. Two recent essays drive my point home about an invader versus refugee dynamic in a red America. Twenty twenty one, Mark Pullman. Polium, I'm sorry, wrote a piece at the Federalist titled Leftists are Colonizing Red Towns Like Mine and Local Republicans are Clueless. After relocating from Austin, Texas to a small, overwhelmingly Republican Appalachian town in Tennessee, Polium found woke agendas everywhere, in the local library, the local schools, the local newspaper. More recently, Polium has written about this his battle with the local public library in Blount County, which is being used as a homeless shelter and is increasingly unusable as a public library. Right? You, you see this, right? I mean, you do have people that will do these things in these small towns, so you have to try to be active. Such things, she says, don't happen organically. They are planned and organized, especially if there's a vacuum of civic engagement among the locals. Pulliam concludes that unless rural voters wake up and push back, their towns will become knockoffs of dysfunctional places like Portland, Oregon. And he's right. Right? I mean, this is true. You have to push back against these things. You have to wake up and push back. This is thinking locally, acting locally in action. And... The piece I'm going to talk about tomorrow points out how some of the how you can do some of these things, but you have to have people that are dedicated to doing it. And it's not a positive piece in that way. It's a complaint about what some of these states are doing. Another essay, Hick Libs on Parade, written by the uh, imitable uh, Peachy Kennan over at the American Mind, exposes and analyzes the queering of red states and smaller towns where drag queen brunches have proliferated. How so? Because of the woke yokels who have traded in their grandmother's classic uh, Christian clunker ideology, that one that still runs great but gets terrible mileage on social media, and exchange it for a shiny new vehicle for glowing social affirmation. Indeed, the natural human craving for social affirmation is a vulnerability that can be manipulated to drive otherwise destructive agendas forward. When people sense they will be ostracized for expressing a politically incorrect belief, they tend to comply with groupthink. Very true. Right? This is very, very true. People don't want to be 
attacked. They don't want to. They don't want to rock the boat. People are naturally conservative, and so if you have people that come in and they seem like they have the moral high ground, whatever. In this case, how that could be, how that could be, I don't know. But they seem to have the moral high ground. Well, then people are going to go along with it. Well, okay, whatever. Uh, so you have to stand your ground on these things. Kina notes how such psychological manipulation flows downstream into Red America's ruralite gen pop who doesn't have the brain power or social conditioning to manage it. It's like grain alcohol getting into the hands of the natives. So the picture should be clear. Some people move into rural and Red America because they share the values of the locals. They are refugees who re respect the local traditions or what is left of them. But others move into Red places with no such intentions. Some even work actively to colonize and wipe out every vestige of the American spirit and traditional American values. If they keep spreading their dystopias, there will be no place left to breathe freely in America. So, right. Now, uh, there are ways to stop this stuff, and you have to get active. And I'm going to talk about that tomorrow on tomorrow's episode. But some of these things are happening. So this is the downside of thinking locally and acting locally is people come in and you have people apathetic. This is why you have to be actively thinking locally and acting locally because you can change these things in the places where you live, where you are, your people. These are things that can happen. Protect that stuff. Don't let these people give. If you put up a wall, and I mean not a literal wall, but a figurative wall, if you do that, people will avoid it. They'll decide to move on somewhere else. It will happen. Now, not always, particularly if it's a beautiful area, a place with a nice beach or nice mountain views, they're going to come anyways. And they're going to come in droves. And they are going to change it. So how do you, how do you mitigate those changes? Well, you have to work within uh, the state systems to try to do it, but it is a difficult process. So she says, Refugees who flee blue states must wake up to potential invaders of their adopted homelands. They should help good people win local offices. They need to reach out to the like-minded neighbors and then proactively I'm sorry, work together to build healthy local communities of goodwill. That's the only way to preserve the values and traditions that allow us to all live and let live. So, But I would say this for people in these areas. I mean, you can move with, you can vote with your feet. But if you are in these areas, work to save what you've got too. If you're a generation upon generation in these areas, work to save your place. From these people. I mean, that's something else, you know. So wherever you are, work to do this. Uh, particularly if you're on the right side of things, um, and I think that's uh, that's important. But this particular piece talks about this movement in America, this this general movement around, and how that's how that's driving uh, the woke agenda in some cases. Maybe it is. Maybe it's driving the woke agenda. Um, Maybe it's uh, maybe it's driving, and you're seeing results of that in these smaller school boards and, and, and communities. So, get involved in those in those local school boards. Go to those meetings if you're politically active, or at least follow what's going on and make your voice heard. If you're you know into city local government, get involved in city council, county council. And I, I've had people email me and say they're the only one there. They'll go to these things, and there's nobody there in these audiences that nobody attends and they don't really know what's going on. They don't follow it. They don't have an idea of what these counties and cities are doing. And the, the reason this, and then you get people that are active and they go and there's only one or two and they think, well, a lot of people think this stuff and they're making their voice heard on these things. And so because of that, 
Well, they're getting their way all the time. So apathy really is an issue in America, no matter if you're, I mean, what's your political persuasion, but generally on the right, apathy is a problem. Being apathetic, not being engaged and going out and being involved in these things really is an issue. But this piece, I think, is wonderful in that it points out one of the problems of this mobility, voting with your feet. Anybody can do this. And if they have money, federal money, or if they have money, some kind of, of leftist backing, particularly if it's an organization, they can do a lot of damage with that to the local community. And you're seeing it all around the United States. You're seeing it particularly in the South or in red areas. I mean, wh what we talked about there was moving from one Southern state to another, Texas to Tennessee. Um, but even in these Southern states, you still have little enclaves that are um, not necessarily of the dominant political culture of the region. In some way, I mean, look, that's okay. I mean, if these people want to live like that, but um, the dominant the, the dominant political culture still should have a role in this stuff. And that's where the states come in. And that's where, uh, you know, Jamel, uh, Jamel Bowie's piece that I'm going to talk about tomorrow is very interesting. He, he talks about how even in the face of where you have people moving in or local communities and there, there's maybe is a push against this stuff, those states can still resist these things by doing some political maneuvering to try to keep this stuff from happening. So I'll talk about that tomorrow, but thanks for joining me today. I'll see you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.